Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Um, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'm continuing my series on the supernatural fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I'm calling it supernatural fruit because uh, the nine fruits of the Spirit mentioned here, they come from Jesus inside of you. They're not just natural. They aren't just normal. They are above normal. They go beyond the natural and they are really supernatural. So Paul writes here in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And these fruits, they truly are supernatural. They are a byproduct of what has happened in your spirit when you are made a new creation. How many people here tonight are new creatures in Christ Jesus? So all these fruit, they, they are part of who you are. They are your nature. And we are created to produce fruit. Um, and last week I talked about the first three fruit, love, joy, and peace. And I talked about how they really deal with our relationship with God. When you have an understanding of how much God loves you, every, every fruit is found in love. When you really understand that God loves you and that he saved you by his love and giving you Jesus and you are in Christ because he loves you, all the fruit flows from that. So those first three correlate with our relationship with God. The next three, which I'll talk, in, talk about tonight, really deal with our relationship with others. Long-suffering. You don't have to be long-suffering towards God, but you have to be long-suffering towards people. This is, a, this is a, a specific type of patience. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about patience, but it's a very specific type of patience. You know, we, we can have patience, um, you know, towards God, wait on the Lord. And, and that, that waiting on the Lord, it's different than, like, having patience with people. Having patience with God is like having uh, an earnest expectation, an excitement. When you wait on the Lord, he will renew your strength. That's like um, having faith and patience towards God. But, but walking in patience towards people, um, long-suffering is a great um, translation of, of that word there, long-suffering. Kindness and goodness, we'll talk about those tonight. And next week, I'll talk about the, the last three, which really deal with your relationship with yourself. You have a relationship with yourself. You're a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. And you need to possess your soul. Your soul should not possess you. So you need to have a certain relationship with your emotions, a certain relationship with your attitude, a certain relationship with your own self. And we see that, um, especially with faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But tonight we're going to talk about long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and really talk about um, how our new nature in Christ, how you know, it, it impacts our relationship with God, but it really impacts our relationship with other people. And I, I really see this when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. Turn with me really quick to 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17. We see how, how the new nature, how Christ in us, you know, it, it, it's, it's a radical shift in our relationship with God, but it shifts what happens with, with, with people as well with our, our relationship with other people and our walk here on the earth. So 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I love that, in Christ. Say, I am in Christ. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
So that's talking about what happened in your spirit. You have a brand new life in your spirit. You have the life of Jesus. You have resurrection, eternal life. You have that, that well of water that springs up out of you. That's the new nature that we have. We have a nature of love. We don't have a nature of hate anymore. Amen? We have a, na- a nature of joy. We don't, are, we, we don't have a nature of depression. We don't have a nature of anxiety. We have a nature of peace. That, that's, that's, the, that's the root of what is inside of us, and that's the fruit that God wants to produce in our life. Amen? We have a new nature. Um, verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we've been reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ, but right away he talks about how that relationship impacts what we do with other people here on the earth. He said now because we've been reconciled to himself through Jesus Christ, he's given to us what the ministry of reconciliation. Say, I, I've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That word reconciliation in the Greek, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an account, it's an accounting term. Paul uses lots of accounting terms in his writings. He talks about, you know, if, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're accounted as righteous. So this word for reconciliation, it's an accounting term, and it's, it's a very specific term dealing with the exchange of currencies. So Paul, when he traveled, you know, throughout Israel, throughout Asia Minor, throughout the Roman Empire, he'd probably have to change currencies from time to time. He'd have to change, you know, his, his shekels into denarii, right, into, into Roman currency and vice versa. And um, when, when you're going to an exchange, an exchange place, I don't know what they call them. I, I've been to money changers, but money changers. You want to get a good exchange rate. I remember when Heather and I got married, we went to Italy for a honeymoon. And I had like $1,000 cash that, you know, people had given us cash at our wedding. So I had $1,000 cash to take on our wedding. And, and um, I, I did something kind of foolish, right? When we landed in Rome at the airport, I went to a money changer there at the airport. And I changed my $1,000 for euros there. And then a couple days later, I realized that I got a terrible exchange rate. I probably got ripped off like $200. And I was very upset with myself for not thinking this through better. Because I'm like, I should have gotten a better exchange rate. When you come to God, you can't get a better exchange rate. And he talks about the, the, this exchange that happened. It says that, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing. That's, that, that's an accounting. We're not accounting, imputing trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So if you're in Christ, God is not counting any sin, any trespass against you. He sees you as completely righteous. He sees you in in your spiritual bank account just like he sees Jesus. You have more than enough. He doesn't see you as a sinner. He doesn't see you like he sees you just like he's looking at Jesus Christ himself. He's given us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's a powerful word right there. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Come to God. Come to him with your brokenness and see what he does. He's going to put you back together far better than you thought even possible. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That is one of the most powerful verses in Scripture. 
Jesus, who knew no sin, that's the exchange that occurred. He became, he took our sin, he became sin for us, and we received his righteousness. In the Old Testament, they would do all these sacrifices, and they'd lay hands on the, the, the sacrificial lambs and the scapegoats. They'd lay their hands on those things, and they, they would take the sins of the people upon them, but those sacrifices could not give you righteousness. Jesus is a better sacrifice because he can take your sin, but not only that, he gives you something in exchange. There's an exchange that occurs. He gives you righteousness. That is the full power of the gospel. A lot of believers understand that he takes the sin of the world, but they don't understand that he gives us his righteousness. He takes sin upon him at the Christ, but he gives us divine health. Amen? There's an exchange that occurs. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been given a mission. We, this, our relationship with God should impact our relationship with other people. He brought heaven down to us through Jesus. Now we are to bring heaven to other people. We are ambassadors of heaven. That word ambassador means you need to represent the culture from where you're at. You have authority from the, the country from where you come from. You have the authority to, to make treaties. You have authority to, to do things on behalf of who sent you. That's a powerful word, that word ambassador. Amen? We've been given the ministry of, and, and, and we can now bring heaven to the world around us. We should give them heaven. You know, my son Fisher, he's nine years old. He just started playing soccer, and I love his soccer coach. He's got a real fired-up soccer coach. He's coached a long time, and he's, he sent an email saying, there is no crying on my team. I don't want to see your kids crying. I, I don't, you know, and um, it's funny because just, just earlier this summer, he played baseball, and he had, he had like the opposite kind of coach. He had kind of like a kumbaya kind of coach, and his coach would say, what's my number one rule, everyone? My number one rule is to have fun. And I told Fisher, I said, you know what, Fisher? Having fun is great and all, but losing is not fun. You need to play to win. You need to hit the ball. You need to run hard. You need... Losing is not fun. Winning is fun. But this, this coach, um, they played their first game uh, Saturday morning, and um, they were destroying the other team, and the other team was, like, down a couple of players. So he, um, he asked Fisher if he would join the other team for the second half of the game. And, and Fisher, you know, he can make instant friends. He's like the most friendly kid ever. And he said, sure, I'll do it. And he just signed up to go play for the team. And, and the coach told him, give him hell. <laughs> and when we're driving home, Fisher's like, what does that mean? What does it mean to give him hell? And I said, <laughs> so your, your coach is kind of fired up. And he's just saying to play hard and to but I said, really, you know, we're ambassadors of heaven, and we should give people heaven. <laughs> but um, I like people who have passion, and, and most of you here, if you're coming to Karis Christian Center, you love a little passion once in a while, um, and you certainly get that from Pastor Lawson Purdue and, and Pastor Aaron on occasion. I've been known to let my redheaded side shine. So I want to talk about fruit that relates to our relationship with others. So these fruit need to be demonstrated. You know, in Galatians 5.21, um, he's kind of wrapping up talk, talking about rotten fruit. 
I'm not going to go into all the rotten fruit because I'm focusing on the supernatural fruit of the Spirit. But at the end of Galatians 5.21, he says something really profound. He says, just as I told you in time past that those who practice, say practice, such things will not inherit, say inherit, the kingdom of God. Those two words really jump out at me, especially when I'm going to be talking about fruit that should be demonstrated towards others, fruit that, that really shine through our relationship with others. These, these fruit need to be practiced. Say long-suffering needs to be practiced. Kindness needs to be practiced. Goodness needs to be practiced. Yeah, I have a background in classical music. I used to practice three or four hours a day. I have a doctorate in music. And one thing I know, that to excel in something, you have to practice. And you have to practice in a, a certain way. You can't just turn on the TV and practice and expect to get better. You have to be focused. You have to pay attention. You have to be intentional. You don't excel when you practice just by accident. You know, I'm trying to teach my son Fisher how to play piano. He doesn't just happen to fall into the piano and start practicing. He doesn't really like practicing piano. If I, you know, to make him practice, like I have to make him practice. Sometimes God is going to make you practice long-suffering. He's going to remind you, hey, you need to get back to your scales, your arpeggios, your etudes, and you need to practice long-suffering towards the person sitting next to you here tonight. Or maybe it's the person at work or the person at church or the person where, like, we need to be long-suffering, and it has to be practiced. And when you practice these things, you'll be given an inheritance. And there, there are certain promises attached to when we practice these fruits. Amen? When you practice and intentionally exercise long-suffering, patience, kindness, goodness towards others, you're going to like the results. Say, I'm going to like the results. You might not always like the practice part, but you're going to like the results. You're going to like the inheritance, and it's a great inheritance. So I want to talk about long-suffering. Long-suffering. Here's my first point for you tonight. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Long-suffering. God gave me this point for you tonight. It takes a lot longer to grow a tree than it does to chop a tree down. You know, we, we had uh, a tree right by the side of our house. I really love this tree. It was a beautiful flowering tree. It was a crabapple tree. It fit this certain area next to our house perfectly, but it got a disease and died, and we, we hired some people to come chop it down. That tree took 20 years to grow, and it took 20 minutes for them to chop that thing down and stick it in a wood chipper and to grind down the stump and leave a big hole. In 20 minutes... That thing was completely chopped down. I've since planted a new tree there, and I, I've been watering that thing. I, I've, already, I've spent 30 minutes a day for the past three weeks watering. I've spent more time with this new tree here just trying to keep the thing alive than, than it took them to just demolish that thing and to, to turn it into splinters. And how much has this thing grown in three weeks? It hasn't grown at all. It's just in survival mode right now. Some of your relationships might just be in survival mode right now. Maybe they haven't really taken root. Maybe they haven't produced fruit yet. But if God has, has placed this person in your life and you know you're called to be with this person, be a friend to this person, be a mentor to this person, be a good coworker with this person, to, to minister, to represent Jesus to this person, stick with it. 
The fruit of patience is necessary for a full inheritance. I want a full inheritance. I love results. I love fruit. I love blossoms. I love branches. I love leaves. I, I love flourishing. Hebrews 6.12 says this, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We, we, we are faith people. This is a faith church. We, we believe in God's grace and we believe in responding to it in faith, but it takes faith and patience. I, I love, I, you know, a while back I went through the book of Hebrews and I love Hebrews 6.12, imitate those who through faith and patience. And I love when we get to Hebrews 11, we talk about the faith hall of fame when we talk about Noah and Enoch and, and Abraham and Moses and all these faith giants. But, but when you look at them, I know it says by faith, they did certain things, but it's not, just, it's not just by faith, it's by faith and patience. If you look at every person in the Faith Hall of Fame, it was not an insta-bake situation. You cannot insta-bake godly relationships. Some people want to insta-bake a mentor in their life. They want to insta, insta-bake uh, you know, business partners. They want to insta-bake you know, uh, a spouse. God, I'm going to pray for a spouse, and, and I want to be married tomorrow. Or God, I'm going to pray for my family, and I, ex- I expect insta-results with my kids by tomorrow. This, this, this book, it, it didn't just happen. What happened in my life didn't just happen instantly. The, the best things in life take time to develop, take patience to develop. The best relationships and, and godly relationships, things that he, people he's placed in our life, it takes time to develop these relationships. The best relationships have stood the test of time. The best relationships will endure any season of life. Winter, spring, summer, or fall. I think that's a song, Right? Winter, spring, summer, fall. Anyways, all you got to do is call. (laughs) And I'll be right there. The Holy Spirit will be right there. Maybe this relationship is going through a winter season. All you got to do is call on the name of the Lord, and he'll be right there. He'll help you through that long suffering, and spring will come. Amen. Stick with it. You know, I've actually, you know, I've been pastoring now seven years, and I've seen people who should have known better. Some people, like the, there's, a, there's a scriptural phrase, people who, who thought themselves to be spiritual. People who should have known better when they, they, they get in the flesh for a moment. They get offended, they get impatient, and they just go to the garage and grab an axe. And in one hour, they, they chop down a relationship that I know God had given them. A relationship that that took years, maybe even decades, to grow and develop. When when you operate with long-suffering, and God will help you. It's not not a natural thing. God will help you supernaturally. All you got to do is call. God loves it when you honor relationships that he's given you. He loves it when you honor your spouse when you honor your children, when you honor your friends, when you honor coworkers, when you honor teachers, even, even non-believers that, that God has placed in your life. Maybe it's a boss, a neighbor, a business partner. I mean, God loves it when he sees you honor relationships. 
He loves it. Now, I thought of this, this quote, new friends are silver, old friends are gold. You should honor friendships, really, that, that you, that even your parents have made. I try to honor, you know, there, there are people here that my parents ha, have ministered to for, for not just years, but decades. There are people here tonight who, who've been, like, they, they came under, under the ministry of, of my parents and their, their children did, and now their grandchildren are here being ministered to. Decades of ministry. I mean, talk, talk about a, a man, a, an awesome tree that's planted in your church garden. You know, Proverbs 27, verse 10 actually talks about this. Proverbs 27, verse 10, it says, do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend. He's talking about, about lengthy relationships. Don't even forsake your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. I have this in my notes. It's not always easy to consistently be a person of honor. It takes patience. It takes long-suffering. It takes exercise. It takes practice, but you're going to love the fruit. You will love what God grows in your garden. This, I have, God gave me this revelation about honor. Honor always goes beyond what you think someone deserves. And when you honor someone, you know, when they don't deserve it, God loves it. And his reward is going to be far better than anyone else's reward for you. Some people are looking for a reward from their spouse, from their boss, from their kids, from their pastor. If you don't get that reward, you're going to like God's reward better. You, know, you think you didn't get what you deserved, what you were owed, what you had worked for, what you, the rec- you aren't always going to get the recognition that you deserve. But God sees you, God recognizes you, God sees you better than anyone else can see you, and you're going to like his reward better. So keep being a person of honor. Last week I talked about fruit that can affect your longevity. Certain things that you eat can affect your longevity. Honor and just being a person who who will stick it out and I will consistently be a person of honor. I'll have patience. I'll have long-suffering towards other people. This fruit will affect your longevity. Honor, which which I I think is attached to long-suffering, it will affect your longevity. And Paul points this out too. Paul Paul writes a lot about relationships. Man, Ephesians 6, a lot of people get hung up on certain verses in Ephesians 6. I remember when I was um, going to Rice University, at the time I was getting my master's degree, I, I decided to take an educational psychology class. It's kind of a class that they designed for, for people who wanted to um, just learn skills of, of teaching and, and, and ways, methods of teaching. And I love teaching. At the time, I, I, um, I loved teaching music. I loved teaching flute. And I just wanted to sharpen my teaching skills. But this um, professor was, was very, for some reason in her class, she just brought up that the Bible is so anti-woman and, and even says that women have to submit to men. And, and she was completely bonkers. And she said, you know, in her own private study, she loved to study feminism. And, and, and she, she was completely just bonkers. Wherever the Bible has flourished, women have flourished. Take that, you feminazis. <laughs> you want to go to places where, where the Bible is illegal and see how women are doing? 
Go to Saudi Arabia and be a woman there for a few days. See how you like that. Where you're, you're, you're beat and, and you're, you're legally half the status of a man. Wherever the Bible has flourished, women have flourished. And, and man, Ephesians 6 is powerful. But I love, I love the first few verses here in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. I think we're to honor you know, our, our, our fathers and our mothers, but we're to honor also spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. You have, there are many teachers, but not many fathers. You know, the, the, there's a scripture that you, that you have tens of thousands of teachers, but not many fathers. And I've kind of thought about that for a while. You know, why, why aren't there many fathers? Why are there not many spiritual mothers? They're, they're out there, but they're not many because it's not, I don't think it's a supply issue. I think it's a demand issue. A lot of people don't want to come under authority. They don't want, they, they hate that word, submit. But man, God, God loves it when, when there are fathers, when there's mothers, when there's honor, when there's, when there's true ministry going on. And not just ministry that's just, you know, do whatever you want to do and feel whatever you want to feel and go whatever you want to go and just, just you are all on your own and do. That's, that's not the church. Amen? It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church tonight. Man, I, I thank God for my earthly father, my earthly mother. I thank God for, for spiritual fathers and mothers he's placed in my life. And man, when you, when you honor these people, it will affect your longevity. When you're long-suffering towards others, even when they don't deserve it, you will tap into something supernatural. I, I've seen testimonies of that when, when, when someone, maybe they're married to someone who's just a, a complete rotten apple. But somehow you say, you know what, God, I'm going to tap into something beyond my natural emotions here. Maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a kid, and, um, and, and you're going to exercise love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, gentleness, all these things towards that person, you're going to tap into something supernatural. You're going to tap into something way beyond the natural, way beyond your emotional level. You're going to tap into the very life of Jesus. Your roots are going to go down so deep. You're going to tap into this awesome well of supernatural joy. You're going to be strengthened and even rejuvenated. Say rejuvenated. Man, God has put that word on my heart big time, rejuvenated. Even after storms, floods, fires, drought, you're going to continue to grow and grow stronger and produce more fruit than ever before. Amen? God, when I, when I was 18 years old, I um, went, went to college in Pittsburgh. I went to Carnegie Mellon University. I didn't know anyone in Pittsburgh. And I, for a few months, I was trying to find a church, and um, it was really hard for me to find a church. I was a pastor's kid, and I never really had the option to church shop before. I didn't even know that was a thing. I just thought, you know, just... Anyways, I, I had to find a church, and it took me several months, and it was really hard to find a church. But um, I eventually found a church um, outside of Pittsburgh a little ways, and um, 
I didn't have a car at the time, so I had to take a bus to get there. And, and um, the, the bus, I had to take two buses to get there. There was a bus that went from Carnegie Mellon from the Squirrel Hill neighborhood. It's where Fred Rogers lived. And, and my apartment was right across the street from um, the, the WQED PBS station where he recorded Sesame, uh, is it Sesame? No, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't watch it a whole lot when I was a kid. But I walked right past the, they still have some of his things there, but I would take a bus from Squirrel Hill to downtown, wait a little, wait half an hour, and then take a bus from there to um, the South Hills area where this church was. It took me an hour and a half to get there, but when I went there, I think it was, it was in October, it was, it was like a couple of months after I'd been there in Pittsburgh, but the, the moment I walked through the door at this fairly small church, I, I just felt the love of God, the presence of God hit me just right when I walked through the door, and I just started crying because I knew that was home. And right away, this, this woman greeted me, and I, I was talking to her, I didn't know who she was, but I said, you know, I was a student at Carnegie Mellon, I was really excited to be there, but, you know, um, I might have to leave a little early. Church started at 10, but I had to catch the bus at 11.30. And it was like half a mile from where the church was. I, I'm going to have to leave at 11.15 to catch that bus to make it back. That bus only ran every two hours. And she said, don't worry about the bus. I'll give you a ride home. That woman was actually the pastor's mom. And um, she was actually a very important woman. She, she was one of the um, lead ladies of a glow. She was over like a, a big aspect of that ministry. She actually led, I think, 40 tours to Israel, Aglow ministry tours to Israel. And um, um, every Sunday, either um, her name's Diane or her friend Carol. Carol would, would drive me um, back home to, to, to school, and they would take me out to lunch after church. And um, they were like two spiritual mothers to me. And um, um, this other woman, Carol Nemitis, really taught me um, just about the fruit of the Spirit. She taught me about long-suffering. She, um, she, I think she was like 70 at the time, but um, she, she told me her, her life story. She was a nurse, and um, um, her husband that she, she had married, he had since passed away, but he was Greek, and from a very strong Greek family. And in Pittsburgh, there were different ethnicities. There's like an Italian area, all these steel workers that emigrated there to Pittsburgh. There's a big Polish area, if you go watch the Pittsburgh Pirates play baseball, the Pittsburgh Pirate pierogies come run out on the field. If you, who knows what a pierogi is? Some people with a little Polish, it's some kind of Polish dumpling, but there's a lot of Polish people in Pittsburgh. The pierogies would run out on the field during the seventh inning stretch. And, but, but, but she was not Greek. And because she was not Greek, her, her husband's family was very against them getting married. And especially, you know, her mother-in-law was very against it. She was so against it, she said, I'm not even going to come to the wedding. But then at the last minute, she showed up at the wedding, but she came wearing all black. And like a black veil, like she was there to mourn. You know, do, do the Greek Orthodox mourning thing. I, I am at a funeral here. And, and um, this, this mother-in-law just treated Carol like dirt for years and decades. And um, Towards the end, eventually this mother-in-law got sick and um, would either have to be in a hospital full-time or, like, that was kind of her only option. But Carol, who was one of my spiritual mother, mothers, um, was a nurse. She was a, a full-time nurse, and because she was a nurse, she actually um, offered to take care of her mother-in-law full-time in-house so she didn't have to be in a hospital full-time at the end of her life. And she took care of her, her mother-in-law 
And God just changed the heart of her mother-in-law after decades of poison and rottenness and cruelty and crazy. God just changed her mother-in-law's heart and just took all these pieces of their relationship and put it back together and made something incredibly beautiful. And and God um, brought redemption to to that relationship. And um, man, when, when when you tap into that supernatural long suffering towards people, it, just supernatural things can occur, amen? The life of Jesus can really flourish. And um, one thing I learned about Carol and Diane um, relating to long suffering is that time is a powerful tool. I thought about, about the time that they spent with me. You know, it would take them an, a half hour to drive me to campus, a half hour back and like an hour for lunch. So every Sunday for four years, one of them would, would give me two hours of their time. And time is such a powerful thing. And when you invest it into to people that God has placed in your life, it is so powerful. And you're going to like the fruit from that time. And time, time it, it's, it's a valuable thing because it's a limited resource in your life. You know, I heard a pastor sharing a neat story. He said he was talking to a gentleman who asked, you know, did, did your kids as they... As they got older, did they ever go through a rebellious stage? Like when they were teenagers, did they ever, you know, kind of rebel against you or rebel against, you know, faith, against Jesus, against church? And um, this guy said, no, my kids never did, and, and I never did either, and I never did because something my dad taught me. When I was growing up, my dad would always take me fishing every week. Every Saturday, maybe Sunday afternoon, we'd go fishing every week. And, and I, I knew, and I did that with my kids. And when you spend that kind of time with someone, how can you rebel against your fishing buddy. And I thought about, you know, me and, and my brothers, and um, my, my dad, you know, I, I remember when I was, I was, I started teaching lessons, and, and some parents weren't sure about the investment into their kids. Like, I don't know if I should pay for lessons or drive half an hour for lessons. I would tell them, my dad used to drive me three hours one way from Kit Carson to Greeley, Colorado, once a month to have a lesson. For, he did that for four years. And maybe, maybe some of you, your kids really, they, they maybe got a little rebellious and that, was, that wasn't your fault, that was their own choices. If you've invested time in them, if you've invested the word into them, if you've brought them to church, you, you've planted some things in there that, that I believe that is going to spring up and bring forth great fruit. So you can call that fruit home. And, and just remember when you're investing time into people that God has placed in your life, you're going to like the results. You're going to like the fruit in their life and the fruit in your life. Amen? All right, next point, kindness. I love this, kindness. This is my point for kindness. If you're taking notes, you can write this down, kindness. This kind of fruit must be eaten with your mouth open. I talked last week how Heather likes to sleep with a fan on and I don't because I sleep with my mouth open. I get dry mouth. She's going to buy some tape, I guess. She said there's tape you can stick on your husband's mouth at night. (laughs) Better be careful. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. (laughs) Heather, Heather's from the South. She, she, she knows etiquette. She knows all, there's all these rules about everything that I don't, I don't even know about. I grew up in Colorado. I grew up in Kit Carson, Colorado. I grew up, you know, in a barn right next to a barn. My mom did the best she could, but she only had boys. She had four boys she raised, Aaron, Andrew, Peter, and Lawson, who she's still raising. And Heather, um, one of her 
Other things that we have discovered slightly annoy her about me is that from time I sometimes eat with my mouth open. It's because I, I take big bites when I eat. I grew up with brothers, and if you didn't eat a lot and eat fast, you, you would starve. So you take big bites, you, you don't worry about you. It's funny, whenever I go out to eat with people, I, I'm like done when they're just like, I, I just had lunch with Art, our worship leader here yesterday, and we, we went to McKenzie's and had steak, and we get, they have a Tuesday prime rib special, and it's, it's amazing, you get like a 12 ounce piece of prime rib and mashed potatoes and green beans for I think $17. It's pretty awesome. But I, I like ate this whole thing in like five minutes, and, and Art, Art, you know, he's very, well-mannered, and you can tell just from how he sings. He's very polished, and, and how he, but you can tell I, I'm still, I probably didn't chew with my mouth shut. I probably just devoured, I didn't have time to even, I just inhaled that steak. It was so good. But kindness, it's the type of fruit that must be eaten with your mouth open. I want to talk about one of the greatest spiritual laws. You know, we know a lot about the spiritual laws of faith, laws of authority, laws of sowing and reaping, but there is a spiritual law of kindness. Proverbs 31, verse 26. Proverbs 31, verse 26. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Kindness must be expressed verbally. If you want to be a kind person, if you want to, to demonstrate the fruit of kindness, it must be done verbally. And kindness, it tastes incredible. And the best fruits, the best, the rarest, the most expensive, you know, kindness is one of those types of fruit. And it's getting more rare and more rare in the world today. Kindness should be one of your greatest values. You should make it a point to practice kindness, to speak kindness. And um, I, I just kind of thought about something that our, our worship team does. You know, the worship team, um, and we have a lot of great people on the worship team, um, but they, they um, you know, Wednesday nights they get here at 5.30 and practice. Usually it's kind of a quick practice, but thir Thursday nights, the Sunday team will meet, and we'll meet from 6.30. Uh, and, but we, we usually start with a devotional and something I call the hot seat. And the hot seat is, you know, the, the, the nine or ten people here will sit down right here in the middle of the stage and I'll pick someone who will be in the hot seat. And we'll put that person in the middle of our circle and, and we'll just go around the circle and, and we'll just speak into that person's life. And, and sometimes someone will have a scripture that God put on their heart, someone, someone, someone might have a prophetic word, but oftentimes it's just a kind word that's something that's, that, that they're gonna share with somebody. But, but the wisdom of God and kindness flow hand in hand. If you wanna flow in in the prophetic flow and words of knowledge and flow in the wisdom of God, it goes right hand in hand with the law of kindness. And man, that, that, is, that is such a powerful thing. When, when you make it a point to exercise and demonstrate kindness, it, it's such a, a, a man, it, it's, it's powerful. So I just encourage you, if you're in a leadership role, maybe it's at home, you're a parent, at work, with your coworkers, at school, at church, remember this is really good. Remember that when you need to bring correction, speaking about this tree that produces fruit, what sometimes in a leadership role, you will need to bring correction. It's always done best with kindness. Kindness is like sharpening and disinfecting the pruning shears. I've learned something about when you, when you prune things, you need to disinfect 
this year so you don't spread disease to other branches. Pruning should always be done with kindness. Forgetting to be kind is like pruning with a chainsaw. If you're going to bring correction, it should always be done, um, we'll talk about this next week, but with a spirit of gentleness. To, when you bring restoration, when you, when you try to help someone who's fallen, who's messed up, you need to do it with a spirit of gentleness. You need to do it with kindness. If you leave out gentleness, if you leave out kindness, it's just like bringing a chainsaw to a person. You must verbalize kindness. And, and just speaking about the verbal side of kindness, you need to stay away from rotten fruit. And, and rotten fruit attracts flies. You know, Heather, Heather hates it when we get fruit flies in the house. And mosquitoes, I've had, we've had mosquitoes this summer. It's kind of rare here in Colorado, but we've had so much rain, we've had mosquitoes. And stay away from rotten fruit. You don't want to summon Beelzebub. What does Beelzebub mean? Beelzebub is mentioned in the Bible. Beelzebub is a lord of the flies, a demon god of flies. And this is how, this is the type of fruit that attracts flies, that attracts, attracts demons. I don't want to attract demons. I'd rather attract the presence of God. I'd, I'd rather attract angels, the god of angel armies, rotten fruit, complaining, gossip, murmuring, lying, the Bible uses this word one time in Scripture, whisperers. Whisperers. And, and the one time it's mentioned, it's mentioned in a host of rotten fruit. It's mentioned, I'm not going to read all of these things. Romans 1, it's kind of verse 28 through 32. Paul writes about a lot of rotten fruit. Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers. The one time that word is used in the Greek, in the Bible, whispers, it means to, to, um, to slander kind of behind the scenes without a microphone, but, but it's, it's, it's like lying, it's slandering someone, speaking ill of someone when you don't really know what's going on. There's better fruit to eat. You know, why eat rotten fruit when you can eat fresh fruit? You know, Proverbs 18.21, a lot of us know this, but it really ties to fruit. Say, I want good fruit in my life. I want to eat good fruit. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You can eat fruit that leads to death or fruit that leads to life. I want to eat fruit that leads to life. So every time... Every time that you choose to operate in kindness, to speak kindness, to, it's, it's, it's not just an option. You've made it a law. My mom said it this way. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You can just, that, yeah, just, just zip it. I've seen a lot of people get in trouble just from running their mouth. Just If you could just bite, bite it. When you operate according to the law of kindness, you tap into the supernatural life of God, and that will bring healing to your heart and healing to your body. Longevity. And people who are kind, they, they live longer. My, Carol Nominus, I just saw a picture of her. I, I, I think she's 90 years, is she 90 now? 
I think she might, I think she may be 90, and she's, she actually works, still works, is on staff at that church. She's over pastoral care for that church. 90 years old. I showed Heather a picture of her. I think it was her 90th birthday. 90. Just beautiful white hair, glowing. Just, she, she, she's someone who's tapped into the supernatural life of God. And there, there, is, there is longevity attached to these fruit when you, when you make it a practice, make it a, a law of kindness, even to people that don't deserve it. So my last, I'm not going to get to the third fruit tonight. I'm not going to test your long-suffering tonight. Don't worry. <laughs> I know it's a school night. I'll let you exercise. I won't, I'm not going to force, force practice. I don't like forcing people to practice piano. I don't, like for, I don't like forcing people to be long-suffering towards me either. I want, I want your practice of long-suffering to be easy towards Pastor Aaron. And then you don't have to tap too, too deep into getting along with me. My last verse for you is from Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace. I love that. Colossians 4, verse 6. This is so powerful. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt. Seasoning. Man, since I married Heather, my cabinet is just full of seasonings. I, I didn't know how to cook. I had salt and pepper, and that was it. Now I have like 200 seasonings. When I'm trying to find the salt, I can't find it. When I'm trying to find the cinnamon, I can't find it because it's just... And she always has me go to the grocery store to find some random seasoning that takes me like an hour to find. And I have to exercise long-suffering towards <laughs> finding all these various little items for her grocery list. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know say how how you ought to answer each one. It's not just what you say, but how you say it. We need to speak truth, but it's not just what you say, how you say it. Did you say it with grace? Truth and grace, amen? And I believe that when you exercise and practice long-suffering, patience, and kindness, and next week I'll try to squeeze in goodness and how we demonstrate goodness towards other people. I'm going to give you a, a hint. Goodness is, is exercised through giving. Giving is demonstrated in relationships through giving. We'll talk about that next week. But when you, when you demonstrate these fruit, then you're going, to love, you're going to love the results. You're going to love the inheritance that Jesus has in store for you. Amen? All right, now my beautiful wife, who is very easy to love. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.